love. Welcome to the e-commerce marketing society podcast, a podcast for women who want to grow their online store or e-commerce brand by improving their marketing. I'm your host, Lisa Byrne, an e-commerce marketing coach for women with 20 years of marketing experience under my belt. I help women increase sales and decrease stress by helping them focus on the right things instead of doing all the things. As well as hearing from me, I gather my favorite women in e-commerce to share their stories of growth and expertise because we all know it takes a village to grow a successful business. Welcome to the society. Let's get focused and have some fun. Hey guys, welcome to episode 34. It's so nice to be in your ears and in your company again after a tiny little break. I hadn't planned to take a break from the podcast, but when school holidays hit, I really felt the pull to take a bit of a load off and hang out with the family. And I knew you guys would understand that because it is a tricky time of year for business owners and e-com business owners, especially, you know, heading into summer in Australia and Christmas season is when, you know, product businesses are really ramping up where other types of businesses might be slowing down. And on top of that, in Australia, we are all limping towards less restrictions and kids going back to school. It really has been a hard, hard slog, especially for folks in Victoria who have had it worse than anybody in the world. So shout out to everybody that has been going through a hard time. I know I have been the last couple of weeks. It's getting pretty hard now, but we're almost there. You know, I've been having lots of conversations with friends and with you all, business owners, as you know, we're all tired. So this is, please, a gentle reminder and permission to yourself to take it easy on yourself. I really hope you can and you should prioritize to arrange with your loved ones, you know, your partner or someone that can potentially mind the kids for you to have some time for yourself alone to fill your cup. It seems that we are all craving just some peace and quiet by ourselves, you know, as business owners and lots of mums I know, listen, we are just constantly with someone, taking care of someone, feeding someone, and boy, is that depleting. So please prioritize your well-being and make some time, you know, take some time to make that happen even if it's an hour every week or, you know, 30 minutes to go for a walk twice a week in the morning, I've started to do that. And it has helped immensely getting out in the morning and doing a quick 30 to 40 minute walk. It's been a lifesaver. So because I've been having so many of these conversations about the days and the weeks and how we use our time and how tired we all are and how busy we all are, next episode, I'm going to give you some tips on how to schedule your week to get more time to yourself. And I really hope that helps. So yeah, if you hear this episode on Tuesday, send me a DM you know, if you've got any tips or anything that's worked for you or any questions you'd like me to cover about, you know, making time for yourself and getting your work done. So on to today's episode, I have Chelsea Berman from Blossom Media on to chat all things social media marketing for e-commerce brands. Chelsea is also a fellow coastie. We both live on the Central Coast, a beautiful part of New South Wales, and she runs an agency, a micro agency that helps e-com brands with organic and paid social media. And we are going to answer all of those common questions that we both hear on the daily. So I do give a shout out to a couple of businesses here that have asked questions in the Facebook group. And if you're not in the Facebook group, 
go Google um, or search in Facebook e-commerce marketing society, the same name as the podcast. And you'll find my free Facebook group where you can ask me questions and connect with other business owners. So without further ado, here is Chelsea and I talking all things social media. Hey, Chelsea, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. It's been a while coming. I think we tried to do this last year and diaries and launches and all this kind of hoo-ha didn't match up. So I'm, I'm glad we're here together and you're a fellow Coastie as well. Yes, which I love. I love finding other Central Coast people. So yeah, very exciting. <laughs> There's quite a few I find. Tina Tower is also on the coast and yeah, exciting entrepreneur. So it's fun. I know. Well, we all have to get together and do some sort of entrepreneurs catch up yeah. of some sort. Imagine that it would be an explosion. Yes. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Let's start with an introduction. Sure. So I'm Chelsea and I run the social media agency called Blossom Media. And I started it just over two years ago now. So it hasn't been too long, but it's been a whirlwind as starting a business usually is. But yeah, it's been a great two years. We work with e-commerce businesses to really help them transform their presence on social media, really build an engaged community. And that's through organic strategies, but we also do a lot through paid and Facebook ads. That is our most popular service, definitely Facebook ads, because everyone wants to try it. Everyone wants to get those amazing returns. So yeah, that's what we do most of. But yeah, definitely working with a mix of organic and paid is what we love doing. Yeah, great. And I love that you're now saying we, you've gone from us. I know. Team. How cool is that? I know. Now I can actually say we. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. so glad you did because I did you know, doing paid ads and organic, I often think how, well, ad agent, like even freelancers doing Facebook ads, there's so much involved. And especially as everything's constantly changing, I don't know how you guys keep up with it. Yeah, definitely. It helps having someone else there to (laughs) help me keep up with it all and manage our clients and make sure that yeah, our service is continuing to be great. And we, yeah, we have a lot of communication with our clients. So it's been so helpful having someone else on board. Definitely. That's good. And I know what you mean about how everybody wants a Facebook manager. It's one of the things I asked a lot and I mentioned your name a ton and I think you've got a couple of women (laughs) yeah, working with you that worked with me and then some of the women that have worked with me previously worked with you. So it's nice little ecosystem. And I find that a lot actually when there's, you know, everybody needs help with something. In e-commerce, there's so many moving parts. That's why it can be so bloody overwhelming. You've got organic marketing. And even in organic marketing, there's, you know, 10 different things that you could do there. Paid marketing, wow, now that is a challenge. Even when all these Facebook changes weren't happening, it was challenging to get your head around. So, yeah, do you find that people often come to you overwhelmed and not knowing where to start? Yes. And that's when I usually refer them to someone like you <laughs> to find out where they should start. Because yeah, I, I don't really like, I guess, taking on people that are just really nervous about it and unsure because sometimes, you know, paid ads or social media isn't the best place to start. So sometimes they do need to yeah chat to someone that can really let them know where they should go, where they should invest in. Because yeah, as I said, it's not always paid ads or social media. Sometimes it's other marketing channels or really even just getting the foundations in place first to be able to get success on social media or or paid ads yeah for sure it's a wild world out there with paid ads and 
what has been some of like the big changes that you've seen over the past few months with the privacy changes? Have you seen a big impact into performance or? Yeah, it's not so much performance. I think it's just the statistics side of things and what we can actually see, because obviously with the iOS changes, it's a lot harder for us to see basically everything that's going on within Ads Manager, like we used to be able to see. So we used to really see everything that's going on, all the clicks, all the purchases, all of that sort of thing. But now we only see basically a fraction of those and the rest could still come from Facebook ads. But, you know, if they have opted out, we don't actually know that. So it has been, I think, probably more of a challenge maybe with the clients because they do kind of see that their results maybe have dropped, but in reality, they haven't actually dropped, but it's just kind of what we can see, if that makes sense. So yeah, it has definitely been a challenge and, you know, a few freakouts when you do see that drop and you're like, what's going on? But then you kind of, you know, go into it, look at the backend statistics on the website and all of that sort of thing and still see that the, the same results are happening, but just not yet on the ad side of things. So Definitely can be tricky. And yeah, especially when that change kind of did happen, we didn't see anything kind of straight away, but you could definitely see that starting to happen as more people opted out, those results just kind of pulled back on the ad side. So yeah, definitely has been tricky. A lot of communication with clients and just making sure that they kind of understand what's happening and they're happy with everything. So yeah, that's probably been the biggest challenge, I'd say. Yes, shifting from being a marketing person to client management, it takes... Sometimes it can take the fun out of things a little bit, having to do all that, you know, coaching through emotions and fear. Mm. But that's, I guess that's part of working with small to medium businesses. There is so much emotion attached to it and that's okay. But I like how you said at the beginning that you don't, off, you know, you're not going to work with everybody. Like if you come into wanting to work with someone freaking out, stressed out, you're going to probably attract that kind of result. And that's, I'm the same as you. I do say no to clients a lot of the time, potential clients, when they've got that fear, because fear is something you've got to sort out as a business owner. It's not something a Facebook ads manager or a marketing person like me is going to help you figure out. Yeah, that's very true. And something that I definitely didn't expect when I started my business that I have to, yeah, I guess kind of coach people through that because I don't, have any experience in, you know, mindset work or any of that sort of thing. So yeah, I think it's really helpful when a business owner does do that work first. But of course, yeah, with clients, it's going to happen with those small to medium sized businesses. And yeah, I'm really glad that I do have a strong relationship with most of my clients and can really, yeah, talk them through that. But yeah, definitely tricky. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not to say that those things won't happen and they happen to us all. Like the different, when you hit different levels, it seems different things arise, like little baggages or fear of pushing yourself to the next level is all part of the business but it is particularly scary with Facebook ads because you're putting the money up front at least with you know organic marketing the thing that you're investing is your time and your effort and your ego sometimes too yeah exactly and that's why I do always like to make sure people are ready for Facebook ads before they do start them because yeah otherwise there's that fear, but also they'll probably, yeah, you know, sometimes waste their money and they don't have those kind of foundations in place to be able to get those great results. So they just don't end up getting them. And then, yeah, they've wasted their money on something that they could have done, you know, free those organic channels first. So yeah, always recommend doing those first and then yeah, investing into the paid ad side of thing. So I'm excited to talk to you today about, you know, putting together a social media strategy or a content strategy And what that actually means, because it's probably something that listeners have heard talked about, you know, a million times, downloaded things and 
listen to podcasts and still not really clear on on what that actually means for a you know small to medium growing e-commerce business what are the key ingredients and how can they start like because you know nine times out of ten the, the people I work with they're amazing at the product that they create and they've got years of experience or a particular set of skills in that they're not necessarily marketers so yeah, it would be great if you could yeah chat through your recommendations on what that strategy could look like and yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I always like to start with those foundations. I know I've mentioned that a few times already, but kind of those brand elements. So things like your USP, which is your unique selling point, what makes you unique basically in the market. And that's especially important if you do have a product that someone else is selling either the same or a very similar version of, you do really need to know what makes you unique and your brand unique. Then we have your target audience. So of course, who is going to be buying from you, who you're targeting, who all your messaging is speaking to basically. And that's a step I see quite a few people miss. So that's a super important one. And then also knowing how to communicate with them. So then we kind of go into the content side of things and the content strategy. So really knowing what your audience wants to see. And sometimes you won't know that straight away. Sometimes it does come over time and trying out different content types and all of that sort of thing. But sitting down, thinking about your audience and what content you can create that really takes them from being someone that might yeah, come across you on Instagram, might be interested in your product, but not really know what it's all about, not know what you and your brand is all about to then take them to someone that is really engaged, buying all of your products, all of your launches is really that yeah, big part of your community. So that's what that kind of content strategy would include. So usually I do kind of the content topics. So focusing on that connecting content. So that content that's really going to connect with the audience and then the converting content. So the content that's actually going to convert them into buying your products. So it's really, really important to have a mix and also those kind of key messaging topics. So usually as a business owner, you'll have kind of a few key messages that you talk about a lot, whether that's about brand, your journey, your products, and really weaving them in where you can. So having them kind of written down in the strategy, I find works really well because they're kind of always on mind. And when you are creating your content, you can kind of go back to them. And then once you have all of that, so that's really your foundations, your content, you then go into those growth strategies. But yeah, obviously super important to have the foundations and the content kind of sorted first. And then you can think about what strategies you can put in place to really grow. And those might be things like influencer marketing, collaborations, giveaways, obviously then paid ads, all of that sort of thing. So I, yeah, we usually include that in the strategy as well, just to kind of know where we want to go, how we're going to get there. So yeah, really super important to always put down your goals as well and what you actually want to achieve, whether that's in your business or just on social media or both, because then you can kind of create that path to get there through your strategy and through your growth strategies as well. Yeah, cool. And one thing that I was, because women come to me and I'm sure to you from all different walks of life, like I just got off a strategy call with the lovely Anna from Clack Clack Designs. She makes amazing clay homewares and earrings. And her past life was as a pilot, which I just totally did. Oh, wow. Yeah, I thought it was so cool. I was like, we've got to get you on the podcast. And, you know, we're talking through putting together her content strategy and her marketing plan. And one of my questions is always like, how do you like to work? Like, are you a scribbler or are you a spreadsheet person? Are you a notebook person or do you use Trello? Like, 
I think it's so important to have the right tools to create these strategies because otherwise they're just, you, you can hit overwhelm or you'll create it in a document, let's say, and you'll never look at it again. Do you find that with yours? Like what kind of format do you normally put your plans in? Yeah, that's something I actually struggle with clients because I'm a very kind of technology person. So all of my planning, all of my templates are, you know, in certain platforms. Obviously I try and make it as easy as possible, but for some people that just don't want to use a computer to do it or your phone, they want pen and paper. That's something I do struggle with because I'm just not that type of person. So yeah, it definitely is, can be tricky to find something that works with everyone. And yes, as much as we can customize it, we will. Usually that kind of strategy template will be created on They can print it out and do it on pen and paper or can do it in Canva, whatever they prefer. And then that's kind of, it is a living and breathing document, but it is something that you kind of do and look back at. So that can kind of be done in any way they prefer, but it needs to be done in a way that they will have it on hand and be able to look back on it. So whether that's, yeah, printing it out, sticking it up on their wall or having it in a document that they can easily access. And then with the kind of content planning side of things, that's what I definitely suggest when possible to do in a certain platform. I love Airtable personally, but there are obviously different options. But yeah, I certainly think that it is so much easier to be able to do that online. And of course, once you do kind of plan out your content, you have it all there. You can either, you know, copy and paste it when you need to post it, or you can put it in a scheduling tool if you want to take it that step further. And yeah, I just love being able to save people time. And I think when you do use the platforms that are there to kind of, I guess, save you time. Yes, they can take more time to kind of set up and get familiar with, but once you do kind of get really familiar with them, it's going to save you a lot more time overall and in the future. So I always try and recommend people to use those platforms, but obviously some people just don't want to, and that's totally fine. But yeah, obviously it just might take them a bit more time to kind of, I guess, get it from paper to then their social media channels or whatever they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've tried yeah, taking a course. I really wanted to use it and it's just kind of like yeah. <laughs> too much thinking for me. So I, I just time and time again go back to Google Sheets and Google Docs. Yeah. But I always like to hear what processes people use because I think, you know, it just comes a lot of the time, especially with social media and marketing, it comes down to, okay, how can I practically weave this process into my day-to-day week when I'm dropping kids off at school, I'm mm. packing orders, I'm making my product, like thinking about Anna and making her earrings, like, you know, you can see why people get so overwhelmed if, it, if it's too complicated. And um, how about scheduling tools? That's probably one very popular question that I get. I personally use later, but even I'm not in love with scheduling tools either. Do you have a preference? I do have a preference. I have tried, I think, pretty much everyone that's yeah. out there. I did just free trials and all of them to just kind of try them out and see which one I like better. I do usually recommend for people to kind of do the same thing, test a few different ones and see again, what works best with their lifestyle and the user experience, because I think everyone has a kind of different type of way they like to use things. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, personally, my favorites, two favorites buffer would be the first one. And I just love that because it's just super easy to use. It works with my brain and how I like to do things. And there's not not really all the bells and whistles. It's just kind of a really simple platform, which I like. And it's free. And that's what I usually recommend to people, especially when they're kind of starting out. Then if they want to kind of step up to that next level, there's Icona Square. Um, and this one doesn't come up too much. I don't really hear yeah. people speak about it. It is a paid one. So that might be why people don't speak about it too much. But yeah, in terms of user ex- experience, it's amazing. And it has really amazing analytics as well. So yeah, that's kind of, I guess, if you do want to take that step, pay for something and have a lot more features, but if you just want to keep it simple, I love Buffer for that. 
Mm, uh, buffer is one I haven't used. I, I used Iconosquare, gosh, many years ago. Mm. It used to just be, I'm pretty sure it just used to be an analytics tool and maybe, yeah, yeah, that where it did have fantastic insights on Instagram only, I think. Gosh, it's, I'm going back many years. But, yeah, that's interesting. I might have to give Buffer a look, a look in because I kind of yeah. sometimes I find that it's, yeah, like you said, it's an effort to learn how to use the platform properly. But not like most things, it's practice and mm. part of your routine. Yeah, definitely. La, 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 la. Does it feel like your marketing is a hot mess express and you're one stop away from Struggle Street? Or maybe your sales have hit a standstill and you don't know which next step is the best for you to take. I hear you and you're not alone. See, you're really good at making, designing and finding all the amazing products that you sell. But when it comes to marketing, you're either winging it, avoiding it or half arsing it. And that's okay. Until you realize you've come way too far not to do this business growth thing properly. So if you're done with guessing and you're really ready to grow, I want you in my program, Ecom Grow Strong. It's 10 weeks of learning and my personal support to help you gain more clarity, confidence, and of course, conversions. Ecom Grow Strong is the most value-packed program of its kind, and it starts again in February. Spaces will be limited, so get your name on the wait list by heading to my website, lisaburn.com.au. So we talked about putting a strategy together and what goes inside a strategy and some potential tools to use. Now, is there any particular type of content you know, not just on Instagram, but let's, you know, throw Facebook in the mix too that, because I know I've got my, you know, favorites that I recommend, like you got to do this weekly, you got to do this daily. Do you have any particular favorites that you recommend that business owners tap into? Yeah. Do you mean like different types of content or do you mean the actual, I guess, topic? I'm talking more about format. Like, do you encourage daily proactive engagement or do you encourage Facebook groups or Reels? Yeah, definitely a good question. In terms of daily, I really like to recommend, I guess this is more on Instagram, but that engagement going out and engaging with new people that generally don't follow you, but also, of course, keeping up that engagement with your current community. And yeah, that's really something where possible that you kind of need to do daily to really kind of keep that up, especially when you're just starting out and you do want more people to be finding you. I do find I don't personally do it as much anymore in terms of going out and finding new people to engage with, but really keeping your own community alive is super important as well. And of course, Instagram stories, I really, really recommend daily where possible. Again, it doesn't always have to be daily the weekends, you might not want to post it all on stories and that's totally fine, but really keeping those stories active. And again, it's kind of, yeah, just keeping your community alive and engaged. And of course, those stories where you can get people to reply to you and start those conversations in DMs are always going to be the most powerful ones. And you will see when you do get a lot of replies to a story, your story views will kind of increase for that specific story and hopefully ongoing, but it's definitely very up and down with story views. So yeah, those are probably the two things on Instagram. In terms of Facebook, can be tricky to do things on your own page because it is p- tricky to get people to come to your own page on Facebook because you kind of can't go out and engage and that sort of thing. But of course, Facebook groups, as you mentioned, are a great way to get some people, not necessarily to your page, but I guess more 
interacting with your brand and your website. I know you can't always promote things in Facebook groups, certain Facebook groups, but there are some that you can. And I know specifically one of my clients, and I think this was last year now, she posted in an Australian made Facebook group just about her business and how it was all made in house and all of that sort of thing and just got an influx of traffic and sales to her website. So it can be a really good kind of promotional tool. Obviously, you kind of can't be doing that every day. It's more of a probably once in a while thing when you do kind of see that opportunity. I know some Facebook groups that don't allow promo sometimes have kind of promo threads and that can be another good way to do it. But yeah, in terms of engagement on Facebook, groups are probably the best way to kind of do that and be able to keep some sort of engagement alive on Facebook. But yeah, obviously Instagram It's much easier to do on there, which is why it's my preference. But uh, yeah, of course, if your audience is more on Facebook, you do definitely want to be putting some energy into that platform and not just focusing on Instagram. I know for a lot of people, most of their audience will just be on Instagram, but that's not always the case. So you really want to think about that and make sure that you're, yeah, focusing on where your audience is. That's definitely part of those kind of foundations. In terms of things like kind of reels and image posts, video posts, all of that sort of thing, I really usually like to test it and see kind of what your audience prefers. I don't think there's, I guess, kind of a blanket rule. I know a lot of people like to say kind of post a reel every day, but that's a lot of work. (laughs) I know I personally couldn't do that. Of course, if you post a reel every day, that can get you some great reach. Engagement, maybe not. Maybe your audience won't like seeing a reel every day, but maybe they might. So it is really about testing that and seeing if you do start posting a reel every day, if your engagement drops a lot, obviously that's not something you want to kind of keep doing. Of course, noting what analytics do matter to you. Maybe engagement doesn't matter as much, but maybe from those reels, you're getting a lot of website clicks. So obviously that's really important because that's where people are going to convert. So obviously keeping when you are testing, keeping a good eye on your insights and really knowing what's going on as best as possible. So yeah, in terms of like reels, images, carousels, all of that sort of thing, I do find obviously it's good to post a mix, but yeah, really test in terms of how often people like to see your posts in general. Maybe they want to see two posts a week, maybe three, maybe one every day, as I said. So Really great to, especially when you're starting out, to kind of test that and see what your audience resonates with most. If you do have an audience that is quite time poor, they're probably not going to want to see a post every day because they just don't have the time to read it or engage with it. So that is when you can kind of drop that back. And that obviously saves you a lot of time as well, but you want to make sure when you do drop it back, you're still getting those results. So yeah, definitely a bit of testing in terms of post types, but hopefully that kind of answers your question. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) and I find it's also about finding your bare minimum because mm. you know, we get we do get bombarded with you know got to do this got to do that got to do that and and I find that's probably the most common complaint that people are thinking that they need to do all the things but that kind of leads you to always feeling like you're not doing enough so if you can think okay what am I realistically going to get done this week let's say it's two posts it's potentially one reel and it's daily stories because daily stories look we can all do that I think. Mm. And, you know, maybe in chit chat, in DMs, like start there and work your way out rather than thinking, you know, you've got to go live in Facebook or you've got to, you know, be posted in Facebook groups. But it is, I think it's, yeah, it's good to keep a mix of both because Instagram is the kind of popular child at the moment. But Facebook is where you're going to get like a deeper conversation at some time. So, Facebook is where people maybe spend more time looking for answers and asking questions. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm a big fan of Facebook groups. And whenever I suggest that, like, you know, you know, you can just go and post something in a Facebook group and like, it's always like, what Facebook group and 
how do I do that without being gross? And it's all that mindset thing again, but you know, you just got to test it out. Just have a little bit of Mm. curiosity and have fun with it. Don't be blatantly like, you know, one post that really irks me in the Facebook group is which photo do you like better or which logo do you like better? It's like, okay, can we be a little bit more original please when we're in Facebook groups? Like, asking questions or talking about pain points like let's say for example if you're a eco-friendly skincare or something you know maybe you'll find groups on um, eco living or natural living whatever and getting curious asking questions talking mm. about pain points and then you know just becoming part of the conversation yeah it's amazing for yeah kind of that market research as well if you do yeah. find a group that has your target audience in it why wouldn't you take advantage of that and use it it's free and yeah, ask those questions and get some answers to things that you might not know if you're not your target audience yourself. Yeah. And testing your messaging too. One mm. question that I was going to ask you is about followers. Like some people get really hung up on, I've had 1,200 followers. It's not growing. I've tried everything. Like how much importance do you place on the follower number as opposed to looking at the other metrics inside Instagram. Yeah, I definitely don't focus too much on follower numbers really at all. Really looking at more that percentage of yeah, engagement, people going to your website, people buying obviously. Those are definitely the more important metrics, but of course if you do have a really small follower number but they're all really engaged, that's great. If you have a larger follower number, no one's engaging, that's obviously bad. So you do want to make sure when you are growing your audience if that's something you're focusing on, that you're growing it with the right people. So I see sometimes people doing, you know, those kind of loop giveaways and that sort of thing and doing it with brands that don't have an aligned target audience. And they're just going, they might get a huge influx of followers, but they're not going to be people that will buy from them. Uh, So that's really a bit of a waste of that number. So if you can have, yeah, that audience, it might be a small number, but everyone's engaged, everyone's your target market or as much as possible. And a lot of them are buying from you and that's, that's community that is going to, yeah, continue to support you, continue to buy from you, sell out your launches, all of that sort of thing. That's so much more important than just focusing on a number that you might not know anything about. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, if you do hit that stagnant point where, you know, sure you've got an engaged following, but it, it's not growing and you feel like that is a key part of your, your growth, you've got to mix things up and try different things. Like it could be, okay, now's the time if you're in the right place to do paid advertising or now's the time to do a collaboration or you know push yourself out of the, the comfort zone because yeah if it's not growing you've got, got to do something different but I'm the same like I, I actually never even look at my own follower numbers I go by as the amount of conversations you know mm. just ad hoc like how are people interested in what I'm talking about you know is there a lot of engagement rather than follower numbers so permission to everybody listening don't stress about your followers, especially if you lose followers. Unless you're talking about something really controversial and you've offended 100 people, that's something that you need to reflect upon. But don't worry if people, um, if your number goes up and down, it's no big deal. Definitely, yeah. You And you will only really see those huge losses if you do, yeah, post something that a lot of people don't like. But a lot of the time it's, yeah, you lose a few followers every day and really that's not going to matter in the long run. And obviously those people aren't interested in your business either. So you really don't want them following you anyway. Better out than in. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. So I asked my audience on Instagram and my Facebook group to hit me with some questions. And I've got a few here. They're actually really good ones. So Desert Island has asked, I think this is what she's asking. She said, social ads for early stage business given organic reach is dwindling. I think she's asking, what do you think for so about social ads for a business that's in the early stage of growth? Which yeah, probably not something I'd recommend unless you do have a budget for it. So if you do have a big marketing budget, you can definitely really get started with Facebook ads whenever, but you will have to keep in mind that you will be maybe losing some, probably losing some money at the start while you're building that up. So that's usually because obviously I'm working with kind of small to medium businesses. They usually don't have that huge marketing budget. So that's when I do recommend obviously making those organic channels shine and work really well first. But yeah, if you do have that budget, you do want to start some ads, but you don't have that kind of audience there, I'd probably be doing more ads that are more, you know, website traffic, maybe even traffic to your socials if that's something that you really want and something that's going to help you. And of course, also building up that email list so you can use Facebook ads for that as well. So yeah, if you are, if you do have that budget, you want to start Facebook ads earlier, I'd be focusing more on those type of campaigns rather than kind of those conversion campaigns straight away. Okay, cool. Laura from Maiden Avenue, which is a clothing boutique, with Reels, should they have a a graphic design photo cover or should it just be a still of you in the reel? Mm, Good question. I think this, again, is something you should probably test. I feel like in terms of the actual views, it's not going to really matter because obviously they come up on the kind of feed without the cover because they kind of autoplay. So that's not something that's going to affect it too much. It's more just, I guess, on your feed, how you want it to look and if people are going to click more on it with either a cover or a still. I wouldn't say it's something that, yeah, matters too much. Personally, I do a cover because I just like that it looks a bit nicer in my feed. But I do like when I do go on other people's uh, profiles and they have reels and they have kind of a still because you can really see what it's going to be about and get kind of an idea of what you're about to click on. Whereas sometimes if you have a cover that's like a professional image, doesn't really make as much sense in terms of what they're going to see when they click on it, if that makes sense. So yeah, again, something to test, but it's really not going to impact your views too much. So it's not a, not a huge factor, I guess, that you should stress about. Yeah. I tested that because I noticed at the beginning, it was all about the beautiful graphic, Canva graphic on top. But I found that Mm. my audience don't really click or don't really engage too much on overly graphic things. So I started taking, and I think I got this tip from an Instagram coach, Exo Sarah, I think she is, she's in the US, just to take a a selfie and then Mm -hmm. use that because at least you're in the same outfit and the selfie, you can kind of control the quality of it. Whereas when you take a a cover shot from the reel, it feels sometimes a little bit grainy, but Mm. like you say, test it all out and it depends on your aesthetic too. Yeah, I like that idea. So Haley from Kira Jane Boutique, another clothing boutique, said tips on giveaways and Insta to avoid clones and fake accounts, which is something, yeah, happens, I think I feel like a lot at the moment. Yeah, I don't think there really is a way to avoid it, unfortunately. Of course, it's probably going to happen more if you do have a giveaway that gets quite large. But yeah, there's not really a specific way to avoid it. Obviously, if you do find that it happens, kind of get on it straight away. Let your audience know what's happening. Report the account. Get everyone to report it to kind of get it taken down. But yeah, 
it's happening so much lately to a lot of people that do giveaways. Usually, as I said, more of those larger giveaways that get more traction and more people engaging with them. But yeah, not that I know of a way to kind of stop it unless you just want to do a very small giveaway that you don't want many people to enter, but I'm sure that's probably not your goal. So yeah, just get on top of it as soon as you can would be my best advice. Yeah. So I also read somewhere and I Mm. did recently with my own Instagram giveaway, don't use the hashtags giveaway competition Mm. to win like anything like that, because that's kind of just like a red rag to a bull. They're going to find you. But yeah. And what are you, what's your opinion? I, I have a pet peeve on this, but like group giveaways, like when you're doing a brand collaboration and when you, they're asking people to follow like 10 different accounts, like that really irks me. But it's oh, me too. <laughs> I know. I try to tell people, don't do it, stop doing it, but yeah. they don't listen. So yeah, definitely the same opinion as you. It's just, as I mentioned kind of before, you can sometimes get an influx of followers, but a lot of the time they're not going to be your target market. They're not going to be people that will buy from you. Usually they just want free stuff. It's usually a lot of the same people entering in those types yeah. of giveaways, especially if there's like 10 or 20 different steps. A lot of just normal people are going to go through all those steps. It's going to be those people that really want to win free stuff. So yeah, I definitely don't recommend if you are doing a collab giveaway, keep it small, only a few businesses, only a few steps and make it yeah easy for people to enter because that's how you're going to get more entries and more higher quality entries, I think. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, quality over quantity. I, I just mm. don't know why there's so many of them. I don't think I've ever entered a competition that's got more than three brands, I don't think. Four no. brands. And, and yeah, you I'm the same. love the brands, like, you know. Okay, so Nadia from On Her Desk says, does engaging for 15 minutes before and after your post actually work to boost engagement? Mm, this is good. This is, yeah, I think a bit of a myth that goes around a lot. I wouldn't say that that specifically boosts engagement, but I do think that being active when you post and responding to comments, you know, fairly quickly and just being there to engage with people does work because obviously the more people are engaging, the more you're engaging back, kind of the more people are going to engage. It's not really a hack. It's just kind of, I guess, what happens in human nature when you're responding back to people, they want to kind of keep commenting and that sort of thing. So yeah, I wouldn't say that specifically 15 minutes before, 15 minutes after is a thing that works, but it's definitely not going to hurt by any means. But yeah, it's not really something that I think is necessary. But yeah, you definitely want to kind of be posting when you are there available to answer questions, respond to people, post on your stories about it, all of that sort of thing. So yeah, just being there and active, I think is most important. Yeah, you don't want to post and ghost. Yes. a... A tricky part I've found when you're using a scheduling tool that mm-hmm. something goes out at eight o'clock at night or eight o'clock in the morning, you think, and then you don't look at your phone until midday. It's like, oops, totally forgot. So it, there is pluses and minuses for those scheduled posts going out. But yeah, answering questions, like agreeing with people, that kind of thing. Okay, so and one that I got from one of my Econ Grow Strong students this week, actually, Miranda from Marlowe and Co. She said, she she taught me something and I want to know if this is true. When, you know, when your stories all run out, so there's no stories left in your gallery, I guess you could say, in your feed, is it better to wait till there's none left to start posting more? Apparently they get more views. And I kind of was like, nah. She said, mm. oh, I've been told a lot. So I was like, I need to ask Chelsea this one. <laughs> yeah, I've heard this one a lot 
too. I can't say 100% yes or no. Again, I think it's something if you do want to test, test. I have found something recently and I don't kind of want to say it because I don't think it's a, you know, necessary thing that happens with everyone, but I'll say it just in case it helps someone. But I have found, because usually I don't post Instagram stories on the weekend, I kind of have a bit of a break, but recently I've kind of been, yeah, so I post some stories on Friday, they've run out usually by Sunday. I post something on Sunday and usually that story gets a heap of views. So there could be some truth to it, but yeah, I'm not going to say 100% yes or no, because I don't know if that's going to happen for everyone. But again, something to test, something to see if it does. Yeah, so. I tested it this week. I left, I let the yeah. I think I'm still getting the same amount of views, but one time I did leave it for maybe like a good few days and yeah. I got like 500 views, which is a lot for me. Yeah. But yeah. Well, well, that is unconclusive, Miranda. Sorry, Miranda. <laughs> okay. So I've just got one from Angela in my Facebook group and she has said, oh, yeah, great question, Angela from New Mama Kit. Is posting static images on your news feed redundant now? Is it more about video? I definitely won't say it's redundant. Of course, Instagram really does enjoy video and usually they'll, you know, if you do post a reel or a video, they will usually, and it's not always the case, but usually really help that get out to more people, specifically with reels, as I'm sure you've all seen. But yeah, I definitely wouldn't say it's redundant. You know, myself, all of my clients definitely still post a lot of still images and they still do work really well. But yeah, it's all about, I guess, the content, what you're saying along with that still image, because the still image can, you know, kind of stop that scroll, but obviously you're not really saying anything in the image. So you need to have that strong caption that's going to keep people reading, then get people to engage and that sort of thing. You know, a lot of the time, just an image isn't going to get people to engage. So you have to follow it up with a good caption. Whereas a reel, obviously a lot of the info is in the reel. So that can get someone to engage, I I guess, a bit faster without reading the whole caption. So yeah, it's just kind of, I guess, what you pair it with, but definitely not redundant, but I would recommend for sure having a mix of images, videos, reels, all of that sort of thing to make sure you're covering all the bases. Yeah, cool. Kerry has asked, is less really more when it comes to social media, e.g. less but better content or the flip side need to be showing up more? Well, it really depends, Mm. doesn't it? It depends on what you've been doing. Yeah, I'd say it definitely depends. Usually, as you kind of mentioned before, it is really quality over quantity, definitely with your kind of feed content. Stories, I find it's really good to kind of show up quite often. Personally, I don't kind of put a lot of effort into my stories in terms of making them look pretty and all of that sort of thing. I just kind of make them really real, just kind of talking to my audience. And I think that can work really well because I do find stories are more that kind of unedited, not curated part of your Instagram that people can really get to know you on. And then, of course, that feed, usually you want it to look nice, but you are posting that really high quality content. And yeah, usually I always say if you don't have anything important to say or anything that your audience might really like or engage with, then just don't post for that day. So yeah, usually I would say across the board, it's probably less is more, but you do want to make sure that you're showing up in some way quite regularly. And usually that's going to be Instagram stories because that's the easiest place. But again, yeah, it definitely depends on what you've been doing, where you kind of in your journey. If you are starting out, you're probably going to be wanting to post a bit more, get that traction up. So yeah, it does definitely depend. Yeah. As you said, and of course it's testing as well, seeing what your audience actually likes, how much they want to see you basically. <laughs> yes. Yes. And they do want to see you. They do. Mm. And I agree. Yes. So stories is the easiest 
place to market your brand and your personality mm. and your products and features and benefits without taking too much out of your day. And so if you're still stuck on what to say, what to do, just start somewhere and get into the practice of it because there's going to be no fairy godmother <laughs> coming. Yes, unfortunately. And, yeah, you are your business and you've got to roll up your sleeves. So my, I've got one last question for you because we can't talk about social media without talking about hashtags. <laughs> oh, yes, I knew this was coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the creator account from Instagram has recently come out and said, actually, use three to five hashtags. Whereas, you know, before they said 15 to 18 and then the older recommendation was 30. So I know how, how I feel about this, but I was interested to see what you think. Yes. Very good question. Something that, yeah, has been going on a lot in the, I guess, social media marketing space and people, yeah, really confused about it, which I don't want people to be confused about it at all. So I'll keep it simple. Test. (laughs) So I, you know, across the board, usually I recommend using as many hashtags as you can up to that 30, because obviously that increases your reach, but making sure they're all quite niche and your target audience is going to be looking in those hashtags because if you're using those huge hashtags you know like you said giveaway before and that sort of Mm. thing they're just not going to get your results and if they do get people to your page it's going to be those kind of spam accounts and yeah just not a good strategy so if you can only find you know five ten hashtags that really niche then use that but again it is a bit of testing so usually I recommend having a few different kind of sets and they might be you know one might have more one might have less and different types of hashtags and that correlate to kind of the type of content you're posting and kind of mixing through those. So you're not always using the same, you're testing a range. And then of course, checking those insights, seeing what reach you're getting from those hashtags and kind of get yeah, how they're working and which sets are working best. So yeah, I'm going to say test. Don't listen to all of the information out there. Obviously the information that does come from Instagram themselves is usually accurate, especially from the is the actual, I think, is he the CEO of Instagram? I don't actually know who he is, but that. The head of something. Yeah. Head of something. Adam Maseri. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's a good one to follow. Yeah. And he's been posting some really good content recently just about hashtags, but also about kind of the search mechanisms and how the algorithm works and all of that sort of thing. So If it's from him, it's definitely trusted, but still I'd say test and see what works best with your audience. And yeah, just be careful about all of the information out there because it can be very overwhelming and like to change their mind a lot. So yeah, just really stick with what is working for you, basically, I would say. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we have covered so much. Yes. We've definitely (laughs) given some good value to our lovely listeners and yeah, lots of good takeaways there. Thank you. I'm glad. No, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for those great questions, everyone. I enjoyed yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, good. And how can someone find you if they wanted to check out your services? Yes. So I have a website, which is just blossommedia.com.au. And I'm also very active on Instagram if you want to come check me out there. And that's just blossommedia with an underscore at the end. Cool. Thank you so much. We could, I could talk econ marketing all day. Yeah. <laughs> so it's good to nerd out with you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the e-commerce marketing society podcast. If you want to keep getting juicy marketing goodness into your ears each week, 
Hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode and be sure to please leave a five-star review on iTunes so I can keep sharing all this good stuff with you. Until next time, keep taking those big or baby steps. I'm cheering you on every part of the way. Mm-hmm.